start with the Fox News thing. I mean, the the document dumps we're getting from the Dominion lawsuit, I just think are devastating. I, I think it, it's amazing what they're what they're admitting, and yeah, and and, and 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 Paul Ryan's role, which I find you know especially interesting. But what do you think, Charlie? It is. It's beyond superlatives, you know, in a defamation case to get so many smoking guns. These are not smoking guns. These are smoking cannons, right, (laughs) of guilt where they they say, yeah, um, actually, we knew it was false. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and we published it anyway. I mean, the uh, dump from uh, yesterday evening was particularly on point here. You have Rupert Murdoch, the big gonzo of the entire organization, saying, this is not about red or blue. It was about green. Yeah. Okay. It is extremely rare to have the CEO of a company basically acknowledging, yeah, we knew this was false. And yes, our hosts actually said these things. Look, I am not a lawyer, but I have to think that there are serious discussions about settling this lawsuit. I don't think they're so much worried about the reputational damage since, you know, basically they don't give give a bleep about all of that. Their audience may not give a bleep about all of that. But the $1.6 billion would get their attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think the bottom line on this is that Fox News is exactly what we all thought it was. I mean, it's just basically this glorified super PAC. I mean, one of the little details yeah. was that Rupert Murdoch was sharing uh, internal details with Jared Kushner about Joe Biden's uh, ad buys and stuff. And yeah. I, it, it, it feels like they've just been stripped naked. They're just running down Fifth Avenue naked. That's exactly right. And I have to say, I am enjoying this story because, look, we have all been gaslit for so long by the whole Trump environment, by all of his hangers on, and including, of course, prominently on Fox News, where, you know, they have said, well, you have your truth and we have alternative facts. We have alternative truth, but it doesn't mean we're not accurate. You guys just failed to present the other point of view. And here we are presenting a different point of view. No, they are presenting falsehoods. They are doing it knowingly. They are doing it cynically to make money and to appeal to their audience. And Charlie, I mean, it just, it could not be more clear cut. You know, the the fact that they were no. terrified by no, the uh, flight of some of their viewers, first to CNN, which th- that's in black and white in these, in these documents, mm-hmm. were losing out to CNN. Then, of course, to Newsmax and OAN and other outlets, um, they're terrified. And, they, and it's all about, you know, worrying about losing their audience. And you have to, quote, respect. The audience. I will tell you, I am writing about this. Good. And the notion, and I've said this before, but it's worth repeating, the notion that you respect somebody by lying to them is a very interesting one. <laughs> yeah, that, that, of course, is a little bit ironic because, I mean, there's there's a clear sense of, of uh, internal panic uh, after the election. But two things I think are pretty obvious. Number one, you know, how much uh, contempt they hold their audience in, how much they despise their audience, that they would feed them this, uh, this, this crap, but also how afraid of their audience they are. I mean, they despise their audience and are afraid of the audience at the same time because they are terrified that the audience, unless they are – 
fed this this toxic bilge is going to go someplace else. And uh, so we're seeing that. No, I, I've devoted a lot of time and space to uh, Paul Ryan, but I just had a, just a couple of thoughts about Ryan because I, you know, I sat down with him last uh, Thursday night and before... Can't wait to listen. It, it, well, it's, you know, I have to warn people. I mean, it's cordial, but there are some testy moments. He accused me of going yeah, on a no, no, screed I, about Fox News. I don't think there's anything wrong with being cordial. But, but, you know, we're in an age where, you know, half of the people are going to think I was too easy and half of the people will think I'm too mean. But, I know. You know, beforehand, when we, we talk, I said, I'm going to talk to you about Fox, uh, Fox News. And he said, fine, but I can't talk about the Dominion lawsuit, which I understand. So, And then he tried to say that, you know, I said, what is your responsibility as a board member? What is your responsibility for this disinformation about uh, election lies, uh, you know, the great replacement theory and the pandemic and everything? And that's when he accused me of having a screed. But he did say that he was active behind the scenes. But what we found out yesterday was how active he was, how aggressive he was, and how he did have Rupert Murdoch's ear, you know, and and did recognize that this was uh, these were lies, and that it was very important for Fox not to amplify these lies. And yet, you know, just when I want to give him, you know, the you know three cheers, the problem is is that. I think we've talked about this before. This this whole ideology, or or the this this rationalization of I have to be in the room. I have to be there, otherwise worse things will happen. Well, he was clearly in the room, playing a major role. But at the end of the day, Fox News is still peddling the conspiracy theories and the lies. Tucker Carlson is still spewing this stuff, and. Paul Ryan is still on the board. So I think he tells himself the story that I'm playing this very positive role. And yet to this day, um, it's clear that, uh, you know, maybe the Murdochs have moved away from Donald Trump, but they haven't moved away from the culture of lying to their audience. So, again, this whole, you know, I'm in the room. I don't say it on TV. I don't say it publicly. I don't take a strong stand because I can do more good, you know, speaking privately. Well, yes, and fundamentally, no. Right. Um, So, Charlie, you lived this, I think, maybe, you know, more than most of us. We all lived it to an extent. That is that feeling that, you know, you are not pleasing your audience. You're not telling your audience what they want to hear. And this swept through the talk radio world with particular virulence in 2015 and 2016. Well, I did live that, yeah. And yeah, you lived it. And (laughs) and you found that, you know, that you were warning people off Trump and, and they were resisting and angry at you and feeling betrayed by you. And you had to balance, you know, well, how much do I owe them the truth and, and how much should I pander to them? And you made the choice not to pander at all. Most of us who had conservative audiences, including me, you know, had to decide whether, you know, to soft pedal the Trump stuff because that would be more popular and so on. And then, of course, there were most people on the right, you know, decided, well, this is the royal road to popularity and attention and you know, spots on uh, Brett Baer's weekly news show and and all the rest of it. And so they they went all in. But, you know, I I used to really admire Paul Ryan, or, you know, at least I I had a high opinion of him. I thought he was um, a, a conviction politician as opposed to somebody who was just in it to be somebody. And I felt that he really wanted to 
do what was right. And he was a decent guy. And, you know, I always liked him. But, I mean, so it's good that when he was in the room at Fox News, he just said the right things. But then when Fox News continued to be a sinister source of misinformation to the point of sort of breeding insurrectionism in its audience, Paul Ryan shrugged and said, well, I I said the right thing. And then he cashed the checks. Is that too harsh? (laughs) Well, no. And because he also played the same role during the Trump years and he's playing the same role right now. I mean, it's interesting that he's now becoming very, very outspoken, saying he's never again Trump and the need to change the direction of the party, all of which is great. And listening to him and I'm thinking he's our ally. Mm -hmm. He spent the fall... Uh, you know, last year, you know, campaigning for Liz Cheney, campaigning for Peter Myers, many of the other folks uh, who, uh, you know, had voted to impeach Trump. And he recognizes the direction it has to do. But then I asked him about Kevin McCarthy and he's still on the phone with Kevin McCarthy. And he has you know, a lot of faith in, in, in Kevin, his, his Kevin, uh, to do these things. And so I asked him, I said, so should Marjorie Taylor Greene you know, be on the Homeland Security Committee. And he says, well, I don't want a second guess. I don't want a Monday morning mm-hmm. quarterback him. You know, and he talks about, you know, the future of the party. And I said, well, well you know, well, what, sh- what should the party have done about January 6th? He said, it was terrible. It was an insurrection. It was Trump. They, sh- you know, we should have been, you know, full-throated about it. I said, well, the only person, I mean, one of the few people that did that was Liz Cheney. And your buddy, Kevin McCarthy, orchestrated her defenestration, you know, kicked her out of leadership and then orchestrated her defeat. How do you reconcile in your mind, well, this is what I'm asking myself, how do you reconcile in your mind this need to take this strong stand, draw this line, and then still feel that, yes, but I'm in the room with Kevin McCarthy, who continues to suck up to Donald Trump and continues to purge the decent Republicans that you claim to be affiliated. I see, it's that contradiction. It's that, it's where it leads you when you're constantly saying, I need to be relevant rather than take a stand. And so this is where we are. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. 